if you're only here for our pain, you might feel let down. So, in some in some rare follow up, then we we get to reach quite a long way back in time. I forget how far it was, but this is this is pre us having built robots. This is proper like armchair engineering type stuff. I, I forgot we did that as like an actual thing, an actual name segment. Name segment. That is so long. It's ago. Armchair engineering. Maybe we should bring that back, or maybe we shouldn't. I don't know. I mean, we can't now. We have ascended the armchair. <laughs> just just becomes we are building engineering. Does it? <laughs> Mm. <laughs> not sure i'm comfortable with that um, one of the silly well sort of silly ideas that i had before i fully understood how motors worked was the idea of taking like a like linear induction motor or something like some kind of linear motor like a railgun type thing and just turning that into a big circle and using that as a spinner and like having like a ring going around that for a spinner. Now it was pointed out fairly quickly that that's just a brushless motor. I've only just realised why that's funny. <laughs> what? That's literally a brushless motor. Yeah. I yeah. See it what now. I've described is obviously <laughs> a brushless motor, and like people do this with like hub motor weapons and stuff. So I get it. Like you know, but this was before we built things. However, it was pointed out to us on the Reddit that someone has built something that's pretty much what I had in mind, and it is this big ring that presumably they will then put lots of windings around and then have a nice big sort of like custom like fully custom motor so it's not like modifying a brushless motor with a weapon on the outside of it it seems to be pretty scratch built and i think it is fantastic and wonderful um there'll be a link to the facebook post in the show notes sunny robotics and it's honestly like pretty much what i had in mind i think it's glorious and i wish to see it working so what you're saying is they copied you (laughs) no i'm saying that i predicted the future oh that's okay then i probably don't have anything intelligent to say or add here but yeah it's basically like a hollowed out brushless motor like a brushless motor with a core that other stuff could fit into it's an amazing design i fully expect it to not work (laughs) unfortunately so do i but i do i do love it and i really love that someone's doing it i love that that's like it's one of those things that's like a weird idea in my head and i love that it's plausible enough for someone to give it a go um so yeah i'm excited to see that going it's always nice to find out that the weird idea you had in your head was also in someone else's head yeah it's like weirdly affirming when that happens well the other time this sort of thing happened i think we spoke about this before i spent a long time sort of thinking in my head about how to do drive linkage and having sort of like, you know, you want your motors not directly attached to the wheels and you want the motors towards the back of the robot. And I spent a bunch of time thinking about how you would do that. And I know that the result I came up with is the obvious thing. And it's what anyone would do if they thought about it. But I was pleased with myself having done it. And then I was super pleased with myself when I saw that that's exactly how Bike Force has their drive working. Like the exact thing that I drew is what they have. And again i understand it's an obvious thing it's not like i came up with anything particularly exciting but i'm just pleased that like it's not just me there's a lot to be said for coming into the sport and finding out how other people are doing things looking at that emulating it until you have the confidence and knowledge base to innovate yourself but if you're able to sort of put the time and energy into thinking how would i do that then worst case scenario you come up with the solution everyone else has and that is fine Best case scenario, you come up with something genuinely innovative. I I think it's always worth going through that process. Even when you are experienced, maybe even more so when you're experienced and you know what everyone else is doing. 
having those silly ideas and expressing them somewhere i think it's a really valuable thing yeah and i think you know coming up with ideas from like first principles and stuff i think is always interesting and it's like it's really affirming when you go actually i i derived this from first principles and it's nice to see that actually that that's an idea that would work like i don't i don't need to build it to know that what i came up with for a drive system would work um I really hope that this that this ridiculous spinner thing works because then, then I'd be able to say that a ridiculous idea that I came up with from first principles would work. I'm not hopeful that it will work, but I'd I'd love it if it did. <laughs> you know what? You might have to test out yourself. What's that? The grab and punch robot. Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day while I was amp building. I was trying to do a really simple rear hinge flipper that turned out not to be really simple at all. I was trying to do like a proper four bar linkage for it and it was just a world of pain that I don't want to step back into for a while. I don't know where I was going with this, but yeah, I, I was yeah, I was doing that and kind of thinking about the wackier ideas we've had. And it turns out executing those ideas is probably quite tricky, but Well here's here's the thing. I hereby give people listening to this show permission to build my wacky ideas. If I voiced it on this show the chances are I'm never going to build it. And so if you want to build a robot that can grab and then punch someone else or something else, another robot, I, or a human, why not? I would love to see it. Um, so yeah, that's fine by me. If you, if you want to build that robot, go for it. Is this just now your new strategy for getting affirmation of your ideas? Try and, try and influence someone else into making it. If I can come up with an idea and then someone else puts the work into making it a reality, then I think that's a pretty good deal for me. <laughs> it's efficient. <laughs> anyway, uh, are we just jumping straight into it? We've got a lot to get through. I think we just need to start the episode and go for it. We've got so many fights. There's no time for messing around. In this fixture, we have, <laughs> for the first time ever, an exclusive Magnetar versus Hypothermia. Yes. Now, I, I should point out before we carry on, you were harsh on yourself in what you said when you cut this. I was equally confused. I was treating Magnetar as the first one, not the second one as well. And I think that you only did so because I was acting confidently. You agreed with me. And even when you pointed out the mistake, I flip-flopped three or four times on which one I thought was first and just ended up sad. You'll notice that I was careful to leave you agreeing with me in the edit. <laughs> um, Such moments are rare and precious. Indeed. Um, so, yeah, Magnetar is the second version of this robot. Pulsar is the one that kept blowing up. Magnetar did not blow up in the way that I meant. It had its own flaws, but Pulsar is the one that kept burning everything out. Magnetar, I think, is a much better robot than Hypothermia. Than Hypothermia? Than Pulsar. Ooh, cards on the table early there. Uh, well, the thing is, like, what's funny about this whole thing is a part of me is like, I'm not sure this is going to change as much as I thought it would, but we'll see. <laughs> I don't think it is either. So last time, do you remember what we gave? Uh, no, and I guess you've... Oh, I've just realised it's still on the notes, because we haven't unchanged them. Last time, we gave this 5 and 2 to Hypothermia, based on the belief that it was Pulsar, not Magnetar, and therefore it would probably destroy itself. Yes. I think quite a lot of what we thought last time still stands. The key thing that's going against Magnetar here is the fact that by being the home draw, it's putting this fight in the Robot Wars arena, which directly advantages hypothermia. <sighs> does it? Why does it advantage hypothermia? Because if you do this in the BattleBots arena, the only way hypothermia wins 
is if Magnetar destroys itself. In the Robot Wars arena, it's got a lot of things that help. It's got the pit, it's got house robots. The floor flipper is honestly quite a big thing because Magnetar, during all of its appearances, seemed to be limited to self-writing once. As soon as that self-writer opened, it never shut again. Yeah. So it wouldn't take a lot for even the floor flipper to be its undoing. I believe as well, this is something I didn't think about last time, I believe hypothermia, in the photo that I've given you for this, and in the way it was seen most, it was a grabber. I think it also had a lifter set up, where the arms were kind of slung underneath it, and they lowered to raise the whole wedge. Ooh, that does sound familiar. I think that's what they did against Minotaur, which is kind of the the other basis for thinking about this fight, in terms of, yes, it lost to Minotaur, but it did survive Minotaur. <laughs> yeah. Well, it turns out just searching for hypothermia doesn't give you the results you want. <laughs> I make that mistake as well. <laughs> Come on, like, you, like, surely the computer knows that we're talking about this, so like, it should just figure it out, right? I mean, mine should. Mine should have learned that every time I search something, I want the robot answer, not the other answers. <laughs> you work so hard not to give it anything to go on. <laughs> that it probably true. won't have worked that out. I'm, I'm my own undoing for this kind of stuff. Oh, it is described as having a lifting wedge. So, yeah, I'll take that. Yeah. So I think for me, hypothermia goes in with the lifter set up and still has the advantage here. Whether it's five and two, I'll let you decide. But it has the advantage here. I don't think it's quite five and two. I mean, it'd be quite funny if it was still five and two. <laughs> I don't think it's quite that. What are its fights like against? Um, what's its fight against Thor? Hypothermia's fight against Thor. No, Magnetar's fight against Thor. Sorry. I wish I remembered. I'm actually going to do some research for a change. I think the Thor fight might have been the one where Thor got absolutely shit-mixed by Matilda. I'm, I'm watching the fight now. Oh, it's got the entanglement entanglement stuff on it. I'm sure that will be extremely, extremely important to the way the fight pans out. <laughs> Probably not. I'm just It's more to refresh my memory of, of what Magnetar is like. There's no Matilda in this fight. Okay, it isn't, it isn't the one where Matilda did the big damage to Thor. It was Magnetar that did it. I'm not going to sit here and call it a lucky hit, but there was definitely an element of fortune with the opportunity arising, should we say. <laughs> it isn't in doubt that Magnetar hits pretty damn hard. Yeah. The issue is that Hypothermia is built to be hit pretty damn hard and seems to be pretty good at getting hit pretty damn hard without dying. Yeah, so that's that. And then, so Thor lost because, it, yeah, so it ruptured the CO2 and then I presume was just, yeah, couldn't self-right from there. Okay. I knew it ended in a cloud of CO2. I just got the wrong cause for the cloud of CO2. Yeah. Um, Not that that's a bold shout for Thor's Series 10 campaign. <laughs> I think 4 and 3 would be fair. Or 3 and 4, as it technically is. In Hypothermia's favour. Yeah, I think so. So I think Magnetar's got a a reasonable chance of doing some pretty serious damage to the wheels on hypothermia um but yeah i sort of agree that i think it will probably just end up being a a a, a case of hypothermia taking a beating for three minutes i mean i think if it goes to the judges it will probably be magnetar's fight it is i think it is a case of you know magnet it's magnetar's fight to lose if that makes sense i think I mean, the wonky-ish view of aggression at times in Robot Wars could bite, but I mostly agree with you. Yeah. If you were sat there vehemently telling me this has to be 4-3 in Magnetar's favour, I probably wouldn't argue that hard, but I'm more comfortable with it being in Hypothermia's favour. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm properly torn on this, actually. I really am sort of like... 
I feel like Magnetar should win it. Um, How much of this is guilt from last time? No, I genuinely think it should win it because it's because it's got the more damaging weapon and because hypothermia. I know it's like a, a bit of a tank and stuff, but it's got the exposed wheels, which I think would hamper it. You know, it could. I, I don't. I don't particularly expect Magnetar to remove the wheels, but I think it could do some damage to those wheels. Um, you know, obviously Magnetar does hit hard. And so I think it should win, like, like I said, I, I would have thought that it would win a judge's decision, which I think is the most likely outcome. Because um, I don't think Magnetar is going to knock out hyperthermia. Um, and then the only, the only thing is whether or not Magnetar gets flipped. And I don't necessarily know how likely that is. If hyperthermia goes in and it's lifter set up, then you have to say there's a decent chance of that. Well, how effective, like, what does the wedge look like with the, when it's got the lifter set up? Like, is it, a, is it a wedge that can actually get under things? Like, is it a, a genuinely useful lifter? Or is it another way of having a sort of active weapon on BattleBots? That's the thing. So, Behemoth got under Magnetar fairly happily. Yeah, but I feel like Behemoth's got like a much more scoop-shaped scoop. This this is just a wet. This is just a a, a forty-five degree thing of metal that's flat. I don't feel like it's like I've got a scoop thing in the way that Behemoth does. Like in terms of lifting mechanisms, Behemoth is a far better one than whatever Hypothermia could have. I was actually about to come on your side here by saying that I think the main issue Hypothermia would have is that the moment that wedge takes a hit and gets peeled up, then it will struggle to get under. As I said before, I'm happy for this to be in Magnetar's favour. It's it's not the way I would have put it at first, <laughs> but if you feel strongly about it, I'm happy to go with it. Oh, I, I think it's pretty borderline. I don't know. The problem is, is is that you know I feel like you're you're the more knowledgeable one and stuff, so I feel like you're more likely to have an accurate view of what this should be. But I would give it in favour of Magnetar. I would give it a a so, four to three edge. So I'm also the more stubborn one, and here I am, happy to go with your view, so there must be something in it. <laughs> so yeah, 4-3 Magnetar, one two three four for Magnetar, 5-6-7 for Hypothermia. Now watch it come in Hypothermia's favour to change nothing in terms of the tournament. <laughs> Excellent. It's a 7. <laughs> and Hypothermia goes through anyway. Yeah, but that's fine. Like, I, it's believable, and I feel like we gave it, it was fair conversation this time, so I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. Yeah. And I'm happy to sort of say that, you know, this is this is where, you know, Magnetar can only self-write once and stuff. So I think it is reasonable if, you know, hypothermia with a lifter and a floor flipper, I think it's reasonable to assume that Magnetar would get flipped enough times for that to be a problem. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Everybody wins. On to the round of 32. We've only got 16 fights to do. God, yeah, right. Up next, we have the 2016 version of Cobalt versus Valkyrie. I guess now is our opportunity to just rip off the plaster that the 2019 season wasn't part of this because we started it before the 2019 season. Hence, we went with the only version of Cobalt we could, not the one that would actually have had a decent chance in this fight. Oh, man. I can't believe that we're still stuck like pre-2019 and we're, look, we're, 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 facing, <laughs> we're facing the 2020 season. This has taken so long. I mean, that's why we're rushing like we are. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think Valkyrie's going to take out the wheels, isn't it, on Cobalt? I think that's... The only question I have is whether Valkyrie has the superior reach here. I feel like it does, especially if they go with their sort of longer bar. I don't think it would be a question of taking out the wheels, because that would involve getting behind or to the side. Yeah. I think it would just be an issue of their weapon hits first when the two meet face-to-face. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. I could see Valkyrie coming in on the side and stuff. Like I think that's the, I think that's plausible. 
But then it's also plausible for Cobalt to do the same. If anything, Cobalt's probably slightly the more manoeuvrable. Yeah, but Cobalt's weapon isn't quite so, like, they'd have to, I think they'd have to properly come in from the sort of, like, more from the back. You know, Valkyrie, because it's got the undercutter, I think it's got more options to hit the wheels and knock the tyres off. Whereas I think Cobalt would actually have to be coming in from the back and stuff, because the wedge on the front of Valkyrie, it covers, covers, like, most of the angles from the front on the wheels, I think true and cobalt's body is kind of angled on the sides to almost divert low hits underneath yeah which is probably not optimal when you think about it possibly not damn we should have told dave he could have fixed it (laughs) yeah our mate our best mate now that's how that's how that works (laughs) close (laughs) close personal friend dave maltz are you like six and one in favor of valkyrie or are you five and two in favor of valkyrie here i I think i'm more five and two i don't think cobalt's got no chance i think it's you know it can hit hard um yeah but six and one isn't no chance it's a one in seven chance i know but like (laughs) the problem is is that when we give for a lot of robots you know quite a lot of robots in quite a lot of fights would take that We'd have taken that in most of our bloody fights. <laughs> I know, but all we can do is the range of numbers that we have, right? And we give six and ones, I think, in fights where we think that the robot with a one has no chance, and that's the worst odds we can give it. And I don't think that's fair for Cobalt. That's the thing, though. It doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to mean that we think it has no chance. It could mean we think it's got a roughly one right, in seven like, lower chance. The whole of this tournament so far, we've only done that for robots that are entirely like fights that are really one-sided. And I don't think this is really one-sided. I, I hear what you're saying. I get it. But I think that that would be unfair to Cobalt. I mean, I disagree. I disagree <laughs> on what the basic process is here. And I could pull rank as the creator, but I won't do that. Are you seriously telling me that before this moment we've always sort of been like, well, it's still like good odds for, for or like reasonable odds for six and one. Like we've always done, we've always given that extreme an odds for really one-sided fights. It's the situations when you've got like Tombstone versus some rubbish robot that doesn't spring to mind at the moment. Jellyfish. <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was gonna interrupt you with frostbite for a second. There, so <laughs> uh, <laughs> I couldn't help myself. Um, the problem is. Five and two feels generous. You really, you really think that Cobalt is is that sort of unlikely to win? That's almost a one in three chance. Yeah, I think I genuinely, I think that's reasonable. You think that one time out of three, Cobalt wins this? Yeah. <laughs> because like Valkyrie is a great robot, but it's you know by no means perfect. No, I, I think. If we're looking at a win condition for Cobalt, it's a weapon failure on Valkyrie's part. And for me, normally when a robot is relying on a weapon failure from another robot, that makes me think that a 6 and 1 is an option, unless it's a notoriously unreliable robot, which Valkyrie isn't. I'll go with your 5 and 2 if you insist. And that sounded far more passive-aggressive than it was meant to. (laughs) Valkyrie lost to Ultimo Destructo, man. That is true. (laughs) And that is not a good look. Ultimo Destructo... (laughs) Yeah, five and two, fair. <laughs> if anything, it's probably a four and three based on that. But. No, I think that would be a bit unfair. But like, I, yeah, I think that yeah, I, I, I think two and two and five in favour of Valkyrie there. I'll take that. So one and two for Cobalt. The rest for Valkyrie. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's a six. Well, none of that mattered. It did oh, wait, matter. No, a lot of that mattered. It's the yeah that mattered quite a lot. It's the process. No, that didn't like, matter. No. It's not like our changing of odds there made a difference to the to the result, but it matters because it's the, all about the journey. It's the discussion that people tune in for. 
Are you saying that the real die roll was the friends we made along the way? <laughs> exactly. But like, can you imagine if I cut all of this conversation out and just did, this is what we think the odds are, roll a die? <laughs> I mean, would it- I mean, that's above the level of some fantasy series, but you know. <laughs> we got, we would, we'd get through them a lot quicker. <laughs> I said, I've only ever heard one other and I really enjoyed it, so I shouldn't say that. <laughs> so about them one and sixes, eh? Oh dear. Next up, we have 2018 Lockjaw versus The Kegs. Poor the kegs. Poor, poor the kegs. In all their low-resolution glory. <laughs> Just roll it, Sam. We don't have time. Just roll it. <laughs> They've had their run. <laughs> it's not a seven, is no, it? it's a one. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing because I knew it was a one end and I had to quickly figure out, <laughs> how does this work? Who's just one? <laughs> So I, I did actually forget to establish that early on, so I could have just flipped it on you. But, yeah, <laughs> no, I'd have figured it out. Lockjaw wins. We'll talk about Lockjaw in its next fight. <laughs> Up next, we have the Ringmaster versus Apollo bracket series nine. We said series nine. I'm not sure it really matters that much, and also I seem to have the notes from series ten rather than <laughs> series nine. So go me, I guess. We, we we basically combined the versions realistically, didn't we? Yeah, that's fine. I mean, the, the notes even say we picked Series 10, and yet the intro says Series 9, so... Yes. Yes. That's fine. Right, both of them. All the same. I've just been heavily distracted by the fact that my waveform looks like lots of little fish. I'm struggling to move past it. Most waveforms look like that. Well, burst my bubble, why don't you? <laughs> that's what I'm here to do. I think this is quite a clear-cut one. I'm going to give you an opportunity to tell me otherwise. I think Apollo's going to win. I want the ringmaster to do well, but I think, you know, those these ring spinners, I think a couple of flips, and I think it would probably... The weapon would break, I assume. I, don't, I can't remember how reliable the ringmaster is. Uh, it's tricky to say, because it's defeat against bike force. The weapon did get wrecked yeah. by bike force. <laughs> and yes, it was early bike force, but it was still good then. You know, it, it it took a masterclass from Chomp to stop it, so... I think, Here's what I think, right? I think it's one and six, but I think that the ringmaster d- deserves a little bit of conversation. You know, that's the thing. Okay, so yeah, well, I mean, we can talk about why it's a one and six, which is that Apollo has done a decent job of deflecting horizontal spinners, and this is a horizontal spinner. The end. Yeah, pretty much, and that's, that's what it is, you know. Horizontal spinner, and it's a potentially... F- finickety one at that so finickety finicky 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 pernickety they're both words i i'm wondering if i should be like factoring the omni drive into this at all for ringmaster ah. i don't know if that really helps it any or if apollo is just going to stay faced up anyway yeah yeah i don't think it's going to matter a great deal i think if if the ringmaster is sort of like sliding around then apollo just almost has to sit in its in, it, in its one spot and just keep yeah like i said keep keep facing it and it'll be fine so it's a horizontal spinner against a fairly well-armoured wedge. It's a story as old as time. You know, back in the days of cavemen, they had this problem as well. <laughs> One and six. There's a reason of the horizontal spinner dinosaurs went extinct. Big wedge fell from the sky. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it was a five. Oh, the images I could put together to go with that. It was a five, so Apollo wins, yes? Yes. Awesome. We are making great time today. Part of me does feel bad for skipping through these, but there are some tough ones coming up, you know? Yeah, we've got stuff to do. In fact, I think this is maybe one of... Nah, maybe this is maybe this is one of them. Hmm. Next up, we've got Red Devil versus Big Nipper. 
uh, I know that I say this every time we talk about Red Devil. I really like Red Devil. It looks 